Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my two trusty co-hosts, Sam and Andres. So first, I'm going to start with Andres today. How you doing, man? Doing all right. The Astros are kind of giving me a headache during this international break. But we are just days away from some more Chelsea football. Sam, what about you, man? I mean, how come the players get an international break, but we don't get a break? I mean, I still have to come here and record with you guys, even though we're not playing. Come on, man. <laughs> At least give me a little bit of a vacation. Yeah, I mean, during our vacation, some Chelsea players had some notable moments. Um, but we're not going to spend too much time on that, right, Sam? You seem very, uh, very, like firm on me not spending too much time talking about an international break i get it like i just hate yeah i, I get why yeah because Wait. it's just not fun but yeah andres time out zach did i just hear Sam complain about having to record when he's the one that misses the most yeah uh, that, that, that makes sense i, I miss I the most which means i don't like recording <laughs> <laughs> so yeah definitely i was a, i'm the first person to complain about having to record all right uh Let's talk about the international break a little bit because we had a lot of players that performed uh, uh, well, decent. But I'll start off with Mason Mount. Um, he didn't he didn't get the start in the first match uh, against Wales, but against Belgium, he got the start over uh, Jack Grealish and uh, also won man of the match with a goal. So good performance by him in that match. Reese James also had an appearance with a, uh, with a sub in the 79th minute. Uh, plus another appearance against Wales earlier in the week, uh, subbing in at in the 58th. Uh, also a match where Ampadu got the start for Wales. Uh, he started both of their matches uh, against Ireland and, and England, so that's good to see him getting some experience. Uh, Giroud, I'm happy for him. He bagged a brace for France uh, over this break. That was his 42nd goal for country, passing Michel Platini for second all-time for France, so... He's only he's only ten goals away from passing uh, passing uh, Henri all time, and he's not a goal scorer. <laughs> That's what they say. Jeez. So you know, a World Cup, possibly Get finishing that man his yeah, respect. Yeah, you know, good career. He just likes wearing the color blue. Let's just let's just put Euro twenty twenty one. He's yeah. coming for you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of that that uh. France game. They played uh, Croatia today, and there was a cute little picture of Giroud, Conte, and Kovacic uh, all in the in the tunnel before the match. I love seeing that. You know, three three players amongst the two teams. Uh, so that was really nice to see. Uh, the Germans they had quite quite the international break. First Havertz, uh, two assists in the draw against Turkey, plus uh, a goal and an assist against Switzerland today. Timo Werner, uh, he his his break was a little bit uh, interesting because he had a bit of a coronavirus scare, but um, turned out that he was clean. Uh, he made the start today, recorded a goal and an assist against Switzerland. Really, really nice goal from Serge Gnabry, that, the back heel. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that, look it up. Rudiger also got the start today. Um, it was a good... He, he, there's there's a one of the goals that Switzerland scored. Uh, Rudiger had made a good effort to try to save a chip shot, but not much he could have done. It was just funny to see that, honestly. Um, 
moving on to Ziyech. So he made a 30-minute cameo appearance against Senegal uh, where he recorded an assist. So technically, since the start of the Premier League season, he's averaging three assists per 90 in all competitions because he has an assist in 30 minutes, if, if my math is correct, right? 90. Okay, yeah. I love that stat. Yeah. <laughs> three assists What's per source, 90. by the way? uh my brain <laughs> i did that math i did that math pretty quickly but yeah i think that, i think it adds up correctly uh opta sam yeah yeah uh but after the match he was allowed to return back to cobham uh you know i, th- I think it's, it's 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 kind of rare for a coach for a manager for a club to request a player to return from international duty and the team to abide by that. But I think with the current state of the world with coronavirus, I think that teams are a little, little bit more understanding with those requests, especially with a guy like Ziak who hasn't, you know, hasn't made an appearance for us during the regular season. Uh, but he wasn't the only person to return uh, to Cobham during the break. I mean, always, Whenever there's an international break, that's always what we worry about injuries. But Chilwell, he was he withdrew from England squad as a precaution. Uh, I mean, this one kind of worries me because it's listed as a foot injury, because that's exactly what kept him out of the end of the of last season uh, and the beginning of this season. Uh, but <laughs> again, it's just classic Chelsea. They gave a vague description of what happens: foot injury, like. The, the foot is just such a complex uh, body part. Just saying foot injury is just not not enough. There's only but... like 40, like how many bones are there in the foot? Mo- bones, it's... muscles, tendons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I read plantar, uh, it was this plantar fascia, which is like that little band on your heel, the back yeah. of your heel. So yeah. It's, I, like a slight uh, the, it's a, an unconfirmed source, but according to the official Chelsea statement this is that that Frank should be giving an update on his fitness in his normal pre-match interview a bit haunting honestly I don't like the sound of that but you know just to add on to it that foot injury came after Chilwell you know returned to training after sitting out a week due to breaking COVID-19 guidelines and then you know courtesy of hashtag team Tammy yeah (laughs) I like, that's just some teammate bonding i'm okay with that then you know he came down with an unrelated illness so a really unlucky spell for the chili train uh, during this international break so that's something to keep up on uh and the last name that i mentioned uh who returned to uh cobham was was mendy so <laughs> of course he returned back before an assessment slash treatment of a thigh injury again foot injury thigh injury so it's, so it's kind of humor. I find it humorous, but again, no no news on the severity of the injury, but reportedly the muscle was not torn, so that's obviously a good sign. Uh, so if we are in a time, you know, if we are going to have a little bit of time without Mendy, <laughs> I think it's we're going to be seeing a Kepa back in goal again. But you know, over okay. the break, he had he had a decent international break as well. He started for Spain against Portugal and kept a clean sheet. I'm uh, not going to be convinced. <laughs> while while the next match, De Gea started against Ukraine and they lost one nil. So, um, that obviously we we know who Kepa is at this point. I feel like 
So this performance is not going to change my mind, we, but it's a little bit reassuring. for what he said. What, what did he say? That the whole, like, they asked him immediately when he got to the Spain camp about, like, being benched and how he basically said, like, you know, our manager has always said that, you know, what you do in the training ground and all that will determine whether you play. So he said, I, I don't. I don't say, think I'm essentially benched or second string, but I see it as like a three-man competition, and I'm doing everything I can to get myself back on the pitch for Chelsea. I was like, all right. Wow, fair he's actually saying the right things? He's, I mean, to be fair, yeah. he's never, like, said the wrong things to the press. Right. You know, it has nothing to – like, that's that's one thing. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, take that for face value. It's just what you say to the press. That's just basic, you know, but – uh, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, this is the attitude that you want him to have, but, you know, saying that to a reporter is a little bit different than, like, what's actually going on in his mind. Zach, yeah. you want to say something? Sorry. No, I, I'm I'm just not going to be sold on anything he has to say. Or uh, I'm, I'm honestly not interested in anything <laughs> he has to say from here on out. <laughs> well, did anything um, did anything stand out cool. to you guys about the, the international break performances before we move on? Zach, anything stand out to you? Well, the big one's the Mendy injury um, and the Chilwell injury, but I, I think more so Mendy, um, just because he looked pretty damn good, um, and the fact that Keppa might get his second chance sooner rather than later is is kind of worrying. Um, but the good news is, I mean, he is coming off of a off of a clean sheet, so um, a little bit of I guess that's booster. some sort of positive. I, yeah, I mean, I guess bit. I'm trying. I'm trying to look at the glass half full here, but Andres, I mean, what do you think? International breaks in general are bad vibrations and just yeah, yeah. yeah I I hate international break. Venezuela got stomped by Colombia on Friday. They lost three nil, and I think they also played today. I haven't had the guts to check who what the scoreline was against Paraguay. Iran but in beat Uzbekistan. If, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, in terms of Chelsea-related stuff, I do have one thing. Oh, great. They lost to Paraguay 1-0. Um, <laughs> Werner played centrally for Germany, and he scored and assisted. Who would have thought that a player playing in his natural position, which he's made his career on, would mean he, we would, he would play his best game? Wow. You know, when I, I when I watch the highlights today, uh, you know, the – the pre before the match they have that graphic up that shows the formation on the telecast i don't know what i don't it was in a different language so i don't know what channel it was but <laughs> it was uh it showed havertz playing striker and Werner playing out wide left uh so i mean i watched i watched highlights of the match i didn't watch the full thing so i wasn't able to really tell whether that was actually the case but Maybe like a false nine. I'm interested to see. I'm 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 probably gonna rewatch the match soon to see. But you know, I, from what you're saying, Andreas, I I'm not I'm not even sure if that was the case. But we we, yeah, we know. Was, I know you're right. There though. was conflicting <laughs> formations. There was that four three three, and then there was a four two three one where Goretzka played the ten, Navri on the left, mm -hmm. Havertz on the right, and Werner up top. So yeah, it's. Did you knows? watch the match? I. Uh, no, okay, I, yeah. I only caught the highlights. Uh, that I think I need to, I'm, I need to rewatch that. But all right, moving on. Uh, just a little bit of extra news. 
Uh, sorry, Andreas, but Ian Monson loaned out to Charlton for the season. What, what do you think about this move, Andreas? As long as he starts every week, as long as he gets to play, then it'll be worth it. Yeah, I, he, he needed to go on loan. I was kind of wondering what was up with him, um, but I'm glad he got a move. We have, we have, we have, the only thing I'm really hopeful about with, with Motson in general is that we have a really good track record of loaning defenders specifically to the championship. So, um, All right, then let's, let's move on. So not really an eventful international break beyond the stuff that I already mentioned, but of course, you know, what would it be without a little bit of gossip, tabloids, uh, you know, not sure how or where this rumor really started, but the this French magazine called Le Parisien, uh, they claim that Lampard rejected Conte's request of uh, missing a day of practice to attend the wedding of a close friend. Um, Matt Law on Twitter, he, he kind of rebuked that with, you know, a very uh, explicit tweet. He said, reports out of France of a problem between Frank Lampard and N'Golo Conte over a wedding are, excuse my French, Total bollocks. Remember, it was Lampard who granted Conte compassionate leave when, or yeah, when he was worried about COVID. No issue between manager and player. <laughs> I thought that tweet was so <laughs> funny. He said, "Excuse my French." Total bollocks. I thought I thought he was gonna go. I thought he was gonna go way way more. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, don't don't please don't do an accent, Zach. No, we're gonna lose I, I half about our followers. To. I, <laughs> I heard I it coming. <laughs> I held myself back. I held myself Thank back. God. Uh, but you know, we got we got a question from Twitter uh, on Twitter from Nacho Fuentes. Shout out to Venezuela. He uh, says, "What's up with the media against us lately? The stories about the fallout between Conte and Frank seem so exaggerated, if not fake. What's your opinion on it, Zach? I'll start off with you. Baby back bullshit." <laughs> Like really, you're gonna you're gonna try and sell a story of the most non-confrontational player on our whole. T- like there there's so many other players that you could kind of like create a story out of thin air with, and this one is just. Well, the story isn't like a confrontational I... in nature. It's more like Conte is upset and he did his. You know, he's just like not bringing it up. So I don't. I mean, but it's still. I don't. I don't believe it. No, I don't buy it. No, I don't no, buy but, it. But dude, apart from this, apart from this specific headline, I saw an article, and shout out to Chich and the boys at at the fan cast because because they mentioned it, so I looked it up. There's a guy named Miguel Delaney who's a journalist for who knows where, and he wrote this BS article after our four nil victory against Palace, and instead of it saying like Chelsea wins comfortably. It was something along the lines of Abramovich did not take out his checkbook for this display of ugly football. I'm like, oh my god, get out of here, dude. Mm. Everyone is just trying to write Chelsea crap because they know the storm is coming, baby. The villains of football are <laughs> back and they're afraid of it. And you know what? Let them keep coming. It. Let's Let's just post it on the locker room. Let's just more locker room billboard stuff added to the list. Just haters, haters gonna hate. Yeah, Andres, spot on, man. That like 
last season there wasn't too much scandal or you know controversy it was more about like us trying to make our push and this season it just seems to be all scandal and controversy because people are scared of us again that i take that as a compliment that means we're back on top we're getting somewhere near it man you guys are so full of yourselves i love it no no man (laughs) listen listen anything anything for these analysts and tv pundits to start talking less about liverpool and more about the other clubs <laughs> yeah, i'm all in favor of that for sure yeah. let's do that yeah let's do that 10 Second times that more. Motion. uh all right let's move on um you know since, since this is international break we you know don't really have much to talk about but there was news that did come out uh regarding a possible restructuring of the EFL and the Premier League uh, in which you know the top eight teams would basically have control over the Premier League uh, the, you know the message from those proposing it's called project big picture uh, I think it, it, the plans for it predate COVID but it's really been accelerating talks because of the COVID you know the impact of COVID on smaller clubs um financially so here's the message from those proposing it uh they say now is the time to address both the long-term health of the game and the most challenging short-term crisis it has ever faced project big picture provides a new beginning which will revitalize the football pyramid at all levels this new beginning will reinvigorate clubs in low in the lower leagues and the communities in which they are based uh so here are the good points uh regarding project big picture so yearly the premier league will fundle 25 percent of its tv revenue to the lower leagues and uh grassroots efforts in in england right now that number uh, is around this between four to eight percent so jumping up to 25 percent would be a huge increase to them uh an immediate aid would also be approved providing 250 million pounds for the EFL and 100 million for the FA to help cover losses during COVID, uh, and the, the 250 million pounds would be, or the 350 million pounds total, would be paid by, it's it's the it's, the eight clubs are, United it's the big six United Liverpool Arsenal plus Tottenham, Man City and Chelsea plus Everton Southampton and West Ham yeah so those are the it's nine yep. sorry not eight. Um, so those eight, those nine clubs together will contribute that 250 million pounds or 350 million pounds. Uh, in addition, 6% of Premier League gross revenue will also be made available for quote infrastructural funding. So that sounds like improving stadiums and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it was something like about a hundred, a hundred pound per seat. Sounds like the average for okay. the number okay yeah. and then uh the creation of a separate fa for professional women's leagues um now of course what would uh, offer a gracious offer like this be without a couple of strings attached so the premier league will be the size of the premier league will be reduced from 20 teams to 18 now uh now and or not now but if, if under the proposal there'll be two automatic relegations and then that was the, that would be number 18 and 17 then the 16th team will have a playoff with the three 
the third through fifth teams in the championship. So, you know, although it is easier to stay up, it's a lot harder to get promoted uh, when you make it down to the championship. Uh, now the number of loans allowed will be unlimited, which but uh, 15 domestic loans would be in would be the max inside the UK. So uh, definitely Chelsea's the team that snuck that clause into it. Um, <laughs> the removal of the EFL Cup and the Community Shield, which would be great uh, because Arsenal can't brag about winning a Community Shield anymore uh, when that really doesn't matter. Unless Chelsea wins, then it's, it's proper silverware. Uh, and then voting power will be concentrated to those nine uh, clubs I mentioned earlier. Uh you know, the big six plus three, who's, those are the nine teams that have stayed up in the Premier League the longest. So I'll start off with you, Andreas. I know that was a lot, um, but it is yeah. interesting to think about uh, whether, you know, the, the, the probability of this actually happening and what your thoughts are on what the effect will be on the yeah. game. Um, so obviously the parts that we talked about, the good, there definitely there's plenty of money to go around the Premier League. More should go down to those lower league teams. I think that that's the fact that we're losing historic clubs, but or even close to it because they can't afford salaries and and such is extremely sad. I think that again there's way more money than perhaps is necessary through these TV deals and such. So pushing some down to the lower leagues is great. I think the championship in recent time has been already really entertaining to watch and, and throwing them a bone is not the worst thing, you know, especially during this COVID time. So that's all great. Now the parts that obviously get a little trickier are the, the, like what you call the strings attached. I honestly would not be too upset with having 18 teams. If you keep the EFL league cup, I think 20 teams, EFL, FA and on top of that Champions League is the reason English teams don't succeed in Europe as of late. Simple as that. The Premier League is the toughest league in the in the world and you're adding on top of that two domestic tournaments and Champions League while the two other countries who are leading the European conversation as of recently, Spain and Germany, they don't have two domestic tournaments. And I know for a fact Germany has 18 teams, not 20. So for me, it has to be one or the other. You either get the 20 teams and the – or you do 20 teams and you don't have an EFL Cup or you reduce to 18 teams and maybe you'd keep the EFL Cup. I really would get sad if we lost it because it is a chance for teams like Chelsea – to see their young talent while also giving lower, you know, lowered sides when within the Premier League and lower divisions a chance to win silverware against the big boys. So you lose those little Cinderella stories, which would be a shame. Community Shield, I don't give a crap about. It's unfortunate that England doesn't take the their version of the Super Cup as serious as the other countries, but it's a glorified friendly in the UK and. Yeah, I I would not be too sad about that specifically. Uh, just, the last thing I'll say is – go ahead. I was just going to say a small thing to note as well. If there's going to be 18, 18 teams, that means there's going to be four less matches played per team. Yeah, so the, the winter 
which is usually the worst time for everybody. So again, while yeah, Spain, France, schedule. Germany, all of them go on break. They go on a complete holiday break. So if you keep the EFL Cup and still have 18 teams, that Christmas period wouldn't be so congested with the turn of the year. So again, some of these things make sense to me. Some don't. Don't. The voting power one is tricky. I don't know if I would give the nine teams the full voting power, but perhaps I would give them more of a weighted vote, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. I think there's there's something to give. Pre- if, if you're the nine teams that have stayed in the Premier League the longest, your voice should carry a little bit more weight than the other people because you're doing something right, but I don't think you should be the only voice. So I think that's where this whole deal just goes down the drain is you saying that not you Sam, but like whoever proposed this <laughs> it was me that I, this, this is my idea i pitched this oh man you're genius, <laughs> genius. <laughs> oh but if nine teams are the only ones talking for all of the premier league i think that's a little bit dumb and elitist so yeah for yeah, sure elitist that's what I, that's exactly what i was thinking like I, I wonder what the smaller clubs think about this like it's got to be it's got to be a little bit humiliating honestly like to like just be you know run by the only like the only things that matter or the only teams that whose voice matters are the ones that you know on top like i guess obviously in the grand scheme of things they should have more of a say i think i like your idea about like a weighted vote where like maybe those teams will get you know their votes will count as two or one and a half or whatever but yeah. um Zach what 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 do you think I mean, I haven't really read too much into it, I'm not going to lie, but how big of a possibility is this? Is is this just, like, one of the solutions that just got leaked? It, it's already this... got shut down. Every, oh, okay. every, every conversation says that this deal as it stands is not going to move forward. Yeah, oh, cool. well, because – good, because I really don't like it. I, I, I get what you're saying about there being a positive in the fact that if you have four less games per season with the FL Cup, or or four less games by taking two teams out and then maybe even eliminating the EFL Cup, you could open up the opportunity for a winter break, which would be extremely beneficial to Premier League clubs, which and long overdue. That's the only real positive I see out of it. Um, it doesn't make sense to me why the money just can't be reallocated to help out those lower clubs has not that has that not been working or has the or or is the premier league just so top i mean i know the premier league's top heavy in terms of their revenue but mm-hmm. in terms of that revenue trickling down to the lower divisions there has to be a way where we can sprinkle some more cash their way just to kind of keep them afloat especially right. during you know the covid and 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 everybody's economy is going to you know suffer but yeah, I mean, I'm all for them trying to find a solution. I'm glad that they're trying to because I think it's sad. I think, you know, losing any football club, whether it's a rival or not, it, it's sad. You know, it's football's a culture. So when you're dissolving a team, you're not only dissolving, you know, just those 11 players and a manager, but you're dissolving a city's culture or a town's culture. So, I mean, I feel for those for those teams that are suffering now, I, I really hope that they could keep them afloat somehow. The um, the intangibles behind like the timing of this deal, it's kind of like kind of slimy, like in my yeah. opinion, because like, you know, 
the the deal was reported first because the chairman of the EFL made a statement about it. So I think, you know, obviously the the constrictions of coronavirus it's puts a lot it's puts a lot of pressure on these smaller clubs that are not making any money right now uh with you know advertising revenue uh television rights whatever uh you know no 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 ticket sales so <laughs> they're under a lot of pressure right now and so they released this statement through the EFL and it was the Premier League that kind of rebutted that statement kind of sounded like they were displeased with the fact that they went public with it uh, so soon. Mm. Uh, so it is a little, little slimy on uh, the, the clubs that want that trying to push through it on their part, but that's just the nature of business, man. I mean, I don't know if, if they have, if they have the resources and they, you know, the other teams need the resources, but that's, that's just how, how it works. But We'll see what happens. I really hope that the smaller clubs don't get taken too much of advantage, too much advantage of whatever. I don't know how the right way to say that, but uh, it, it, I think something needs to be done. Zach said it just to help these smaller clubs. Got to uh, preserve the culture, man. Yeah, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. What's it called when they go into administration? Yeah, see, yeah. I don't want to see that anymore. Uh, yeah. I'm interested. I actually just bought a book. It's like called The Business of Football, written by an attorney. So I'm gonna read that, and if I get gain any insight, I'll let you guys know. But yeah. let's move on. We got some Twitter questions. So first one, of course, from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. So he asks, it looks like Hakeem Ziek. Or is, no, hi, what is HK22? Hakeem Okay. I think it should be HZ22. Yeah, okay. 22. Yeah, I think, yeah, HK, Hakeem, got it. Hakeem Ziek is set to play, and with Cap 10, Christian Pulisic, fit as well, what do you see? Uh, sorry, what do you see the lineup being on Saturday? Does loaning out Billy Gilmore... Oh, this is a different question. We'll start off with the first one. So, with Ziyech and Pulisic looking like they're going to be fit, what what do you see the lineup being on Saturday? Or, or should I just wait until we get into the preview to talk about that? Um. Yeah, let, 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 let's wait until the preview. Sorry. Uh, let's go on to the next question. Does loaning out Billy Gilmore make sense right now? Well... I mean, it's still there's still some time until he comes back from an injury. I don't know about that. So, uh, as far as like logistics of having a loan deal happening this summer, but I mean this they're year they're talking they're talking possibly January. Yeah, we can uh, we can find a loan for him. I'm gonna chime in on this a little bit because mm -hmm. I think this is interesting. Um, when we loaned out Loftus Cheek and Ross Barkley, I thought that that was kind of a shoe in for Billy Gilmore to kind of get some more playing time. Um. So maybe loaning him out gives us a better idea of what Frank's trying to do moving forward. We might not be seeing so much 4-3-3, or we might be seeing 4-3-3 with Kai playing as an actual midfielder. Um, it's it, it's interesting. I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of conflicted on this, if I'm not gonna lie, um, because I really think he could benefit the side. You know, we talk about having 
the only player from a deep position that could transition from defense to attack is really um, Kovacic, but um, that's with his dribbling ability, not necessarily his passing ability. I think Billy Gilmore has a wider range of passing, especially from the deep lying positions um, where he could potentially benefit us. So if we loan him out, great. You know, I know he's coming off that injury. I think it's important for him to get playing time straight away. Um, that way he's not out for, you know, longer than he needs to be. Um, so I think I kind of talked myself into it. I'm kind of for it now that I'm thinking about it. I just think the game time is paramount to anything right now. And regardless, you know, if, if Billy Gilmore does say as a part of Chelsea squad past January, I don't see him being a part of, you know, our best 11. So maybe him getting alone would be the best. Andreas, what about you? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm going to disagree just because Billy's coming off an injury. And if he was healthy right now, just sitting there in the reserves, I'd be like, yeah, loan him out. But I don't think alone where a team is expecting said low need to come in and make an impact for them may be the smartest thing to do for someone coming straight out of an injury. Um, Loftus Sheik was playing a few games before he got loaned out. So that's slightly different. Uh, I I think if Billy Gilmore hasn't, you know, fully recovered by, you know, let's say late November, early December. So he hasn't even been training consistently, etc. If we haven't gotten to that point of the timeline, I think this is a waste yeah, of both our, our effort as well as Billy Gilmore's in general because he's not going to get better treatment than he would at Cobham. Yeah. He could still – he's still young enough to play with our developmental squad. So – it's just a one, of, one of those things where I, I would go with nurture over, you know, the quote-unquote experience, which he may not get if he has a slow start post-injury. So, Andres, if he was – if he didn't have an injury um, and he was just like, you know, a, a rotational player, which is probably what he would be in this side, would you be opposed to loaning him out? It's hmm. – Because that's the thing. Our midfield – yeah, Somewhat, I'm trying to think of our midfield situation. So I think, yeah, if if he's healthy in his squad and he's not making as much of an impact, for example, I think I read somewhere that Jorginho is getting an extension. So if he's still behind the current set, like if he's still bottom of the barrel in our current set of midfielders, then yeah, loan him out. The one thing that's interesting that I didn't mention is that if these rumors are coming out right now in October that we're looking to loan him out, that makes me feel confident that whatever our DM target is will be signed in January. Yeah, no doubt. Because I'm trying to think of our depth and Jorginho, just, it, Kovacic, Conte, and Billy Gilmore. Those are the only yeah. guys that could play in those deep positions. If we're not switching to attacking eighth, right. Exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. Should we'll be see. interesting. Um, Good question, Ron. Yeah, Ron also had uh, one thought of the week. He says, F an international break. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that, yeah. Dude, I honestly, were you guys just as bored as I was without Chelsea? These For sure. Past, what, 10, I wasn't because I had the Lakers. I mean, that All was right. kind of boring because it, was, it wasn't a real championship. But okay, let's move oh, on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Zach, we're talking about soccer. We're talking about football, right? So we, we got a, a clarification, not a question. Uh, last week... We mentioned his name. It's spelled Q W A D W O. We pronounce it 
quad woe. But apparently, we are wrong. He wrote in saying, it's time to pronounce my names well, lads. It's Kojo. Oh, wow. that makes... Co I, I would have never put that together, but I'm glad oh, he clarified. Because now, now we don't sound dumb anymore. I would have. Kojo. I'm, I'm so fascinated I by that. I, I really don't, to be honest, but it's fascinating to me. I believe it, you know, obviously. But that that's... Uh, yeah, actually, I do see it. Did the I, D? I see it. I see it. That's cool. Kojo. 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 Yeah. All right, Kojo. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. Shout out, Kojo. <laughs> finally, yeah. Finally, now your name has been pronounced correctly on this show. So congratulations. We got a question. Uh, another one from Nacho. Shout to Venezuela. He says, with the international with international football coming to a close and players like Cristiano Ronaldo coming back sick with COVID. Do you predict an uptick in COVID cases in the Premier League and potentially our club? Uh, Ron actually pointed out, uh, like, Wolves, with the amount of Portuguese players they have, whether, whether that would be a problem for them. I, mean, I didn't a, even think a, about that. That's a, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's yeah, a legitimate. Seven, like, what, seven God. of their starting 11? That's their whole, like, front. Yeah. And I don't think yeah, he's saying joke, that to be everybody. funny because it's, it's, it's no, true. No, 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 but it is, it is. The, the joke was that. Uh, I think it was Leeds plays Wolves this weekend and Wolves is going to come out with Captain Connor Cody and their whole reserves as oh the starting God. 11 because Cody's the only non-born yeah. player starting XI. Now that it's, I was going to say, yeah, Wolves, that stinks. Add to Liverpool's fool's woes because if Sadio Mane is still testing positive, add Diogo Jota who has to quarantine to that list. United, apparently might have to quarantine Bruno Fernandez for X amount of time, which I think would equal to about four to five games. So I don't know if it'll make COVID cases rise, but I mean, it's going to impact these clubs. We, I don't know. I don't know if lucky is a word, but so far, yeah, we've been blessed to not have our internationals. We had the, the Werner scare, but we've been lucky enough to not have that issue within our roster. Well, so we did. Far. We do have Spanish players. I mean, Kepa was playing against Portugal. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I, I think I think if we're going to sit here and worry about who's going to contract it, who's not, I mean, we're going to lose a lot of sleep. I think the, the players are going to get it one way or another. I mean, they're, gonna, they're traveling, they're exposing themselves to different environments and people from other parts of the world. It's virtually impossible to have zero cases, and I think Cristiano's case in point. I mean, that's the most high-profile COVID case yet. So, but, but it would be reduced if we didn't have to do this international it would, break. I think, I think it would. I think it <laughs> definitely that, would. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm really it annoyed make by sense. it. I was really it annoyed by it. It doesn't make sense how FIFA was Not being so careful with you know playing behind closed doors and all these COVID protocols, but they're so willing to have these players travel to other countries and I, away I from countries right. that are on like borderline lockdown even to I mean, be right so it's probably the only reason why honestly yeah money here's it's here's my money, solution man. in fifa give me a call there's something called an off season where these guys aren't playing for their clubs the nba created a bubble and had zero cases let's <laughs> wait till the summer create a bubble within your continent to do your World Cup qualifiers when their salary is being paid by a club 
won't be affected. Isn't there a so, Disneyland in France and Paris? There is a Disneyland. <laughs> there yeah, you I mean, go. It doesn't have to be in Disney, but I mean, it, come bowl in South America. Pick a country. Have all your confederations meet there and play your qualifiers then. North America, pretty simple. The U.S. has plenty of stadiums. Yeah. Figure it out. And it's not like Europe, they need – they don't really need a stadium with, with stands. Like there's – I don't think <laughs> right. there's I, – I think some of the matches did allow fans but very limited and they had to sit really far from each other but still. There's yeah. there's definitely a country. I mean, I mean yeah, there's a there's country no out there that would. There's no need to do it right now. To. There's no need to do it right now. Like we've got, you can literally get these. Like the World Cup is not next summer, so Euros South America is. doesn't need to be playing. The Euros well, yeah, already. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not doing qualifying. You're right. So yeah, everybody needs to chill well, the fuck out and wait. There's no need. There's no have, need. We only have five more days. Of international breaks, you know, our, until think, the next one. <laughs> yeah, until the next one. Hopefully, they learn from their mistakes, and the next one will be. They won't, because money talks. Hey, Andreas had a great pitch. Money talks. Beepa. Fire him. Beepa. Give me a call. <laughs> so let's go on to the next question. This one is from Super Saiyan Black. That, oh my god, I just burped live. AKA I'm sorry. Our boy Black Emoji. <laughs> Add Black Emoji. I couldn't hold that burp in, guys. I'm sorry. What signifies – he asked, what signifies a successful season when it comes to the performances of our new signings? Uh, so our new signings, real quick, I'll go through the list. Tiago Silva. Did we just go one by one? Well, I'll, I'll just say what who they are. Just to, Okay. Silva, Chilwell, Mendy, Havertz, Ziyech, and Timo Werner. So I'll start off with you, Andres. Go ahead. Okay, I, I was just gonna try. I was thinking we would go one by one. As yeah, a group. yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, okay, was, so we're, yeah, go ahead. Well, with Silva, my big thing is just conceded goals, and and that one you can probably sandwich in Mendy. So between Silva and Mendy, I literally just want to see less conceded goals. I I don't care at this point about expected goals against i don't care i literally just wanted to see less goals conceded that's the big thing for them uh for Chilwell, i mean we've already started to see it so hopefully it continues but just th the eye test just knowing that our left back is not a liability uh that's all i want to see if he if he gets the goals and, and all the assists that's a bonus i honestly just don't want to be thinking the left back was a problem yet again. Uh, Havertz, Ziyech, and Werner. Havertz and Ziyech, I want double digits, goal contributions. Ziyech, I want him to be top three in assists. And Werner, I want 15 goal contributions or more. I'd say, if I'm being honest, I want 20 goal contributions. Or contributions yeah, 20, 25. I, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm kind of on the same ship here. I mean, w with Thiago Silva, I think there's virtually no way that that signing is gonna be bad for us. Um, even if he's not performing on the pitch, I think a huge thing is teaching the younger players, um, specifically like the Kyle Tomori, um, Reese James, any of the young defenders in that team um, could learn a lot from him. So 
that's a big thing with him. Um, but also his performances, he's going to be big for us at some points in the season. And we saw glimpses of that in Palace. Ben Chilwell, Andres, the eye test, man. I just want to be able to watch a Chelsea game and not see a, a gaping hole on the left side of our defense for once. Um, and so far with the only game we've seen Chilwell play 90 minutes in, he looked really good. So um, I'm couldn't be happier. Um, Edward Mendy just got to stop goals. We need to stop conceding. And, and so far he's done a really good job at that. He looks like a better shot stopper than Kepa, um, which is great and not really hard to do, but um, he looks like he could be quality, especially for the money. Uh, when it comes down to Kai Havertz and Timo, I'm going to, I'm going to pair them together. I, this is just end product. I think the thing this team was missing last season was end product. We created so many chances. What were we in the top, top four? Probably. I think, top I think we, we were in the top three. I remember we were second for a while in, in chances created. Um, but our, our conversion rate was awful. Um, so I think bringing in quality players like that, um, it's going to be inevitable that they start scoring goals eventually. Timo Werner, I almost want to say 25-plus goal contributions. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable because of the amount of chances we created. And we're adding magicians to the squad like Hakeem Ziyech. Um, I'm not going to expect him to finish in the top three for assists. Um, but I do expect him to be... A game changer for us a wild card um in the matches where he doesn't start i mean that is that is as good of a, a, a impact sub as he could possibly get so um i think he's going to be huge for us as the season goes on in terms of squad depth it's just going to bring us a lot more out wide it, it, it's exciting the new signings have been solid so far we haven't really seen any cracks in any of their games i mean granted we haven't seen much of them um Hakeem Ziyech we really haven't seen any of but it's a great time to be a Chelsea fan I mean we're finally at that point we've been dying how many seasons now two or three seasons where we've been dying to do a quick little review like this I don't think we've ever had a Twitter question asking about six new signings before <laughs> so I, I, well, I think that six tells you all you need to know about no our intent no worth discussing really <laughs> well well we have more than six if you count like that buyamba kid and, right. and malang sar i mean we, we did we put in work this transfer window so credit to i couldn't credit be happier to credit to yeah. board uh all right let's go to the last question this one's from kurt liar uh at vigil bruin he says first time question i, th I think uh, it's it looks familiar he's, been, he's asked before yeah yeah uh he asks I've heard that this season's COVID rules makes it difficult to call up players from the developmental squad. Well, well Kurt, I know your last name is Liar, but here you're telling the truth. That is true. Um, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. When I saw that, I uh -oh. knew I had to. I had to. Uh -oh. So he, he says, how does that work? <laughs> Will it... <laughs> Will it hamper the growth of some near first-team players? Uh, Andreas, I know you're marginally familiar with these changes so uh you want to take a crack at it tell, yeah, tell kurt uh, liar the truth <laughs> sorry so from my understanding you you can't have as many of these floaters at practice these random guys that you know we never see make the bench or not even traveling with the squad that are constantly practicing with the developmental team as well as 
the first team. So you're you're limiting the number of players that do that. Uh, I believe that it's also one of those things where, for example, last season where I believe Lamptey, when Lamptey randomly got called up and it was a surprise to everyone, and then he was, you know, back with the team, back with the squad, uh, the, youth, the youth squad. I don't think those sort of moves out of the total blue can be done. I think they're trying to essentially distance the two groups and treat them as separate entities to limit COVID exposure. It's to protect both the youth side and the first team. But in terms of this season, I think that, quote-unquote, the hampering of the growth of the near first-team players, I think that already sort of happened with the fact that we already got knocked out of the League Cup. Those guys aren't going to get minutes at this point unless we get one of those unfortunate COVID outbreaks where we're going to be forced into playing players we may not have expected. I'm but, knocking on wood for you, Andres. Yeah, I'm too. I here. <laughs> All right, cool. But, uh, <laughs> but to be honest, good, if you dude. think of, of our squad, we've gotten rid of the players that are gonna potentially take up that time outside of, you know, Tomori, who is third, third potentially fourth choice at center back. Uh, Gilmore, we mentioned, but now it looks like he may be on loan. So, if you think about our first team. And who comes next? I know people are, are perhaps thinking of Tino Andrin and, and maybe Buyamba, who we signed this this summer. But, I mean, those are just two names. And and you never know. The FA Cup starts in, in 2021 for at least Chelsea. And at that point, you know, maybe things have gotten better. And maybe the winter does kill COVID. And yeah, they, they so said summer point, was supposed to kill COVID. Now it's winter. I know, man. I'm just, you know, <laughs> He's being I'm over here just being an ultimate optimist, but <laughs> I don't think there are, there is that quote unquote near first team player. I, I think we already have them in the squad in Reese James, Tamori, Hudson, Adoy, and B- Gilmore. I think those are the batch of players that we would have seen. We mentioned earlier, Ian Monson. He's already shipped off. And the fact that Alonzo and, and Emerson are still here. He wasn't going to get minutes. And Andrin is the other name, but we're still so heavy at at the center of the field that even he probably should be looking at alone at this point. So, yeah, I I think both because of COVID, these regulations, and on top of that, our current squad, we probably won't be seeing any any youth guys transitioning into the first team. Anything you want to add to that, Zach? Not really. Um, I, I, I think it's. I think Frank's going to introduce new blood at some point. Um, you know, just because we're going to have to. You know, injuries. Um, we're going to be playing a lot of matches. They're going to come thick and fast. So I think at some point we're going to turn to the to the development squad. But maybe one or two players outside the usual names. Maybe someone we've never heard of making a squad or making the bench one day. Who knows? Um, but like yeah, Tariq I mean, Lamptey. <laughs> Tariq Lamptey was a diamond in the rough. Actually, they knew he was a diamond the whole time. He balled out against Arsenal when he came on. But, um, yeah, no, nothing really to add. Nothing substantial. All right, let's move on to the final Southampton. Portion. Southampton preview. Hey, that, that accent wasn't that bad. Uh, so, right now, Southampton is sitting 11th uh, in the table after four matches including two wins, 
in their last two matches versus Burnley and uh, Barnley and West Brom. See, I said Burnley. I'm about to say Barnley. I'm learning. Back to back clean sheets as well. Their two losses came to Spurs and Palace. So this season, in all four matches so far, they've been running a 4-4-2, a possession-based flat 4-4-2. You know, they averaged 55% possession so far this season uh, in about four, sorry, in about 10 10 shots per match. Um, So I'll I'll start with you, Zach. What's something to look look out for? Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with not the obvious here, but I think set pieces are important. Um, an important thing to remember, especially against sides like this. They probably have the most underrated set piece taker in the Premier League, and James Ward Prowse. Um, it's it's simple. We just can't give up any stupid fouls in and around the box. Nothing near the attacking third. I mean, he's not only a threat, um, with direct free kicks, but he's also a threat with crosses as well. Um, his delivery is ridiculous. Um, so, you know, th- they have a huge center back investor guard. That's like, what, like six, five, six, six. And they're probably, probably going to be targeting him or Bednarek. Um, so that's something that I want to look out for. I, you know, just defending the wide areas, making sure we're not giving away anything silly in silly areas. Um, that'll be, that'll be key. Um, but Andres, I think, I think you could you could go ahead and mention the most blatantly obvious threat with the Southampton side. Oh, of course. It's their center forward who doesn't want to just age and disappear into existence. That's Danny Ings. I mean, three goals already. He's only 28. He, I know, but he looks so old to me. That's my, like, <laughs> one thing with him. I always think he's, like, 35. He's been but, 35 for, like, the past four or five seasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, in my mind, he's so old. But... Yeah, the guy is always there when the other team makes a mistake. I mean, he scored twice against Tottenham earlier this season. And if you give them the chance to get one-on-one or you're step too late, you're already it's already going to go in. So for the way we stop him is just no defensive mistakes when we're on the ball. Because, again, he's going to be at the right place to step in on those. And the other guy that's kind of potentially going to be someone to watch out for is the fact that they just got Theo Walcott. So Mm. Walcott didn't do too hot for himself in in Everton, got shipped off. Maybe he has a point to prove back at his parent club. So, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of how you have new manager syndrome and and people just start playing well. Maybe you have new blood for for Walcott and his return. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think one other thing to mention here is um, the the kind of hot streak they've been in on. So I know Sam mentioned that they've won each of their last two matches, but two clean sheets back to back. Now I know that's not asking for a lot against Burnley and West Brom, but we couldn't even do it against West Brom so far. Um, so they've seemed to tighten things up at the back, um, minus the Tottenham game. Um, it's going to be interesting because this Southampton team never seems like a bogey side to Chelsea, but we, we never have an easy time with them. We never really spank them around too much. Um, and of course, you know, they still have their manager who lost nine nil to Leicester last season, um, and is somehow still in a job and still doing pretty well. 
considering the resources that he has. Um, it, it's it's basically it's not a game that we could sleep on. It never is against these guys. So Chelsea have to be up for it. I don't think that it's going to be a game um, like Palace where there's going to be a lot of goals for us. I don't think they're going to give us a lot of space. I think they're going to make it a lot more difficult. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to go ahead and give my prediction. I think 2-0 Chelsea. Let's um, let's loop back to uh, Ron's question asking what we predict the starting lineup would be or what we would yeah. see in the starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you want to start off? Uh, I think Pulisic has to start. Um, I'd like to see Timo Werner up top. Um, probably Cho out wide on re- out wide right. Um, Havertz in the middle. So Ziyech coming in, like subbing I think, in. I think Ziyech comes in off the bench. If I'm gonna be honest with you, based on the first couple games of this season, um, Ziyech isn't the type of winger that has a lot of pace. And I think we saw the difference when we introduced Hudson Odoi into the mix. Um, in the last few games, what that injection of pace does to the side. So I don't know if we're going to be seeing Ziyech mainly on the right. I, I I think there's a chance we could possibly seeing possibly see him playing in the midfield maybe. Um, but yeah, no, for this game specifically, he's definitely coming off the bench. There's no way we give him the start. But I think the main thing here is Werner up top and Pulisic out, out on the left. Um, I think both of those guys have to start if they're fully fit. Um just because you want to introduce, I mean, I'm not going to, Havertz and, you know, Werner are probably our two best attackers um, now, but last season was Pulisic. So I, just to see him get introduced to that combination of Havertz and Werner, that's that's what I really want to see. I just want to see that little triangle on the left-hand side just absolutely obliterating Southampton's, Southampton's defense. So that's my hope. Andres, what about you? First thing I want to say, Zach, what are you on about? Ziyech is for sure going to be eventually our player on the right side. He's We haven't had a left-footed person on the right since Robin. Like, what? How can you tell me that's not going to be see, the case? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's not going to be the case. I just think we're not only going to see Ziyech playing off on the right. In this game, I think Cho's going to start 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. This game, I agree with yeah. you. Cho, and and, and I think form. in general, with the way we play, we just do better when we have pace out wide. Ziyech isn't the type of winger to outrun defenders. He's going to cut inside and drop in well, deep. Well, that's and... why I think that his his addition is going to be good to us, because then it makes us less predictable. It allows Reese James to float forward. His his job is to drag people out wide and then his passing does the move. Yeah. I mean, look, he tucks inside Werner slips out onto the right. Havertz plays up top. I mean, that's, that's the inevitable when he comes into the, into the fray. But I don't, what I'm trying to say is it's not going to be a shoe in. I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent fit and automatically start every single week. All right. uh, Zach, you want to get back into, uh, you want to say something, Andreas? Yeah, I'll just do my lineup. It's uh, okay, Werner up top, Pulisic on the left, Kai up the middle, uh, Cho on the right. I mean, it's tough because Mount is healthy. He just played well, and he's Frank Lampard's son. So... He's going to play, yeah. Um, You know what? I'll do my wishful thinking 11. I'll change it up. I don't want a 4-2-3-1. I'll go back to the 4-3-3 attacking eights with Mount and Kai at the attacking eights, Conte Typical at the base. Typical. Hey, you never know. I'm gonna still. I'm gonna hope 
Hope and Hope till I die. So those three in the middle, uh, <laughs> the back four of Chilwell, Tiago, Zuma, and Aspie. And then if Mendy is healthy, Mendy at goal. All right, let's get into score predictions, and then we can wrap this thing up. Zach? I mean, I got I got my 2-0. Okay. Andreas? 3-1. 3-1? Is that is that a shot at at the Clippers or what? Is that <laughs> See, No, not at all. I, I I think I officially decided that I'm never going to bet on my teams ever again. So, but does but does, does a but does a scoring prediction really count as a bet? Uh No. Okay. So, let's say I want to say 3-1-2, but I don't want to give you the satisfaction. So I'm going to say 3-0. We keep a clean sheet. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's a better result than both of ours. Yeah. Ugh, I mean, for an international break, guys, it was pretty shitty overall. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> at, least we got a good, at least we got a good podcast out of it. I think that was Yeah, we did. We did go. get a good pod. Yeah, that's true. I actually but, don't um, regret being here anymore from like how that's I did nice. at the beginning of the season. Well, that's good I mean, to know. Episode. <laughs> thanks for uh, th- thanks for letting all of our listeners know that you've been uh, half-assing it all along. Um, but yeah, I mean, in in, in general, um, our beautiful podcast is over for the week. So um, Premier League returns at the weekend. Oh, Thank all things good. Before the um, season starts, since you guys have all this free time, everyone needs to watch Ted Lasso right now. It it is <laughs> so like, good. It, it's funny it's feel good every character is lovable except for rupert rupert who sucks and it's a, like a perfect combination of american and english humor like it's so funny if you understand like both humors it's the funniest show ever i i really it's honestly in my top and it's also about about like a premier league team it's a made-up team but still it's it, you if you see well, the plot and like you just know what it's about it seems like a stupid show but i'm telling you it's in my top three right now andreas you can you would you agree yeah this show has no business being as good as it is i binged it in two days and yeah he, you know my my roommate watched it and his girlfriend has never watched a match of football and she loved it too so for you married folk Trust me, it's got a little bit of everything. My mom loves it. And that's it. Yeah, great show. You have to watch it. You have to find a friend that has Apple TV+. Plus. It's worth it. Yeah, we're, we're not getting paid by those guys to advertise that hard. <laughs> that's how good the show is. Zach, you um, got to watch it, okay? I don't have Apple TV. Find it online. Find it. It's just, it's I'm just still, 2020, I'm my still friend. watching the boys. I'm still watching the boys. Okay. Also a great show, though. Yeah, really good show. Not but, for your wives, though. Yeah, no. Um, but anyways, until next week, hopefully we get three more points in the bag, and uh, next time you hear us, we'll be in a really good mood. Um, otherwise, if we lose, some might uh, not record with us I again. So, um, oh wow, wow, we're getting a commitment a week ahead. <laughs> this is this is great. Um, so yeah, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.